0: allowing me to uh, have this opportunity. Um, just before I came down to Tassie I was doing a week of mission as part of studies at Bible College in a, in a suburb in Sydney and part of what we did during the week was, was door knocking, so knocking on people's doors, finding out what they believed um, and trying to share the news of Christ with them. Um, and I met an old guy called Leslie and uh, as soon as Leslie knew kind of who I was and, and what I was there to do, he was very quick to tell me that, um, that he believed. He kept saying that he believed in, in the power above and, and believed in the Lord Jesus. Um, so I spent, I spent time with Leslie that day uh, talking with him about life and uh, about the Bible and what it teaches. And, I, and I, I went back the next day and brought lunch with me and, and spent more time with him and we watched some of the Jesus DVD together and, and talked more about what the Bible teaches. And then I saw him again later in the week um, but right from the start I was really concerned for Leslie because he, he said that he believed in Jesus. He, he said he believed in the power above but that there was no evidence of, of of faith in his life. There was no evidence of, of obedience to God's word. There's no evidence that, that Leslie was following Jesus and, and at one point we, we started talking about heaven and hell and Leslie said to me, or he, he, asked, he asked the question, uh, you know, if if I believe and if I ask for forgiveness, uh, I'll go to heaven, won't I? Now, I wonder what, what you would say to Leslie if you were in my shoes at, at that point. Um, but more importantly, I wonder what the Bible has to say on that question. And as we heard from Nathan this morning, the Bible teaches clearly that salvation is by grace, uh, that every one of us is a sinner, every one of us deserves to be punished eternally for what we've done. Uh, in rebelling against God. But God in his grace has sent the Lord Jesus Christ to this world so that all who believe in him can be made right with him. There's nothing, nothing we can do to, discern, uh, to, to earn salvation as we've seen this morning. Now, if you remember, Jesus hanging there on the cross and, and the criminal next to him pleading for mercy and what does Jesus say to him? He says, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise completely free. Salvation is an absolute gift but, but is that all the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches that salvation is by grace alone but is that all the Bible teaches? Well no, the Bible teaches that there are certain requirements for those that would follow Jesus. So, so what does Jesus require of his followers? That's the question that we're going to consider this morning. What does Jesus require of his followers? And the passage that we're looking at this morning is going to help us Uh, understand this question. So please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8 and we'll be reading from verses 18 to 22. Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, I want to be honest with you and say that I find these words of Jesus really hard. And as I was preparing uh, this sermon, I really grappled with these words and, and what it means uh, for me to follow Jesus. Now, many of you know that I, I grew up in this church and, and I grew up in a Christian home, but I've only been following Jesus for a bit over two years. And, and all this time, I've been, I've been kind of wrestling with what it means to follow Christ. You know, I know that I've been saved by grace, but... But, but how do I follow Jesus? What does it mean for me to follow Jesus with everything that I have? I, I think the, the words that we've, we've just read are meant to challenge us. They're meant to confront us, to hit us and, uh, and, and cause us to wrestle uh, with, with them. And that's what I'd like to do this morning. I'd like us to wrestle together with these words and, and, and as we do, we'll see that uh, Jesus requires two things of his followers. So before we get into the passage, I think it's important for us to understand a bit of the context so uh, what's, what's came in, come in Matthew's Gospel up until this point. So in chapter 4 of Matthew, um, Jesus is walking along the side of the Sea of Galilee and he sees, uh, he sees Simon and Andrew and he says, you know, come follow me. And these guys are fishermen and they leave their nets. At once they leave, leave their nets and follow Jesus. And then Jesus goes a bit further and he sees... James and John, and he says, "Come, follow me." And they drop everything and, and follow him. They leave immediately. They left their boat and their father, and they follow him. They le- they leave their livelihood, their their possessions, even members of their family, uh, to follow Christ to, to obey his word. And, and what Matthew is showing us in chapter four is that these four men are models of what it really means to follow Jesus. They abandon everything, and they they Respond in obedience to Jesus' word, and then so that's chapter four, and from chapter five right up until the passage that we're looking at today, Jesus has been teaching and preaching and healing and driving out demons, and Matthew tells us that all this huge crowd is following him from all this, this massive geographical area. So these these people are amazed at Jesus' teaching; they're amazed at his miracles and they, they're following Jesus. Presumably they, they think well of Jesus, they like Jesus, they're, they're happy to be associated with Jesus. But I wonder what kind of followers these people are, if they're, if they're devoted to Christ or if, if they're just along for the ride kind of thing. Are they, are they ready to follow Jesus no matter what? Are they the type of followers that Jesus is looking for? So let's keep these two two kinds of followers in mind as we come to look at our passage. The the disciples on the one hand that have made this radical commitment to follow Christ and uh, and the crowds on the other hand. Uh, So as we come to our passage, the first thing that we see is that Jesus requires his followers to count the cost. Jesus requires his followers to count the cost. So if you look with me at verse 18, um, so Jesus, he sees the crowd around him and, and he gives orders to cross to the other side of the lake. And then a teacher of the law comes to him and says, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, foxes have dens and birds have nests but the son of man, he's talking about himself, ha- has no place to lay his head. Now these are surprising words of Jesus, aren't they? I mean, wouldn't we expect Jesus to say something more like that's fantastic, come jump in the boat and let's go. There's a a difficult words from Jesus, but I wonder—I wonder if it's something to do with the motives of this teacher of the law. We, we can't be sure of this guy's motives, but we, if you look in verse uh, verse 19, you'll see that he does address Jesus as teacher. So, in Jesus' day, when uh, a man wanted to become a teacher of the law, he would choose—he would choose the teacher to follow and to learn from, uh, so that he too could be become a teacher of the law one day. And, and we know that Jesus, at this this point, is really popular. Huge crowds following him. He's performing miracles, driving out demons. You know, people are amazed. So this guy may have thought, you know, it's it's a glamorous kind of life to follow Jesus. I'll I'll follow you wherever you go. We can't be sure of his motives, but we can be sure of what what Jesus says to him in his response. He, Jesus says, "Count the cost. If you if you want to follow me, first count the cost." You know, foxes have have a home to go to each night and birds have a nest to go to, but, but I don't have any place to lay my head. And, and likewise, if you want to be my disciple, you, you can't expect to have even the basic comfort of a home to stay in each night. Jesus is saying to this man, if you want to follow me, you must be prepared to, to give up everything to follow me. As most of you know, I used to build houses before I, um, before I moved to Sydney to study. And so if someone wants a new house built, what they do is they go, you know, you go to a builder and you, you tell them what you want and they give you a quote and you, you take, uh, you work out all the details of that and, and they go away and you know, work out how much everything's going to cost and they get, they get back to you with a quote and then you take the quote and, and you, you go away and you look at it carefully and you consider things like the terms of the contract and you know, if, if everything seems like a fair price and probably most importantly, like if you can afford the house. And normally this this process can take quite a long time because it's a big deal to build a new house. I mean, people don't take this decision lightly. They they carefully consider all the costs involved. And friends, choosing to follow Christ is a a huge decision. In fact, it's the biggest decision that anyone anyone can ever make. And uh, that's why Jesus responds in this way. He, He wants this man to understand the cost of following him. When Jesus was on earth he was very clear uh, that he didn't want followers that would just follow him when when things were easy and when when everything was going well but he wanted followers that understood the cost of following him and and that that followed him despite that great cost. And so all, all of us must count the cost of following Christ. If, if you're here this morning and you know in your heart that you're not following Jesus, or if you're here this morning and you know that you are, all of us must count the cost of following Christ. And as followers of Christ, we, we make continual decisions, daily decisions to follow him, and we must be constantly counting that cost. Um, we, we can't take this decision lightly. So that, that's the first thing that we learn from this passage, that, that Jesus requires his followers to count the cost. Uh, The the second thing that we learn from this passage is that Jesus requires his followers to be radically committed to him. Jesus requires his followers to be radically committed to him. So Jesus gives orders to cross to the other side of the lake and then verse 21, a disciple says to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus replies astonishingly, He says, follow me, let the dead bury their own dead. Now, Jesus' words are a bit cryptic. Um, uh, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure, but I think what he means is, uh, you know, let the spiritually dead bury, bury their own dead. But, but even if, if that's what he means, you know, why would Jesus say something like this? These are harsh words, aren't they? They're, they're hard words of Jesus. And because they seem so harsh, people have come up with a, a couple of different explanations to try and justify why Jesus would say this. Now, some say that this disciple's dad hadn't actually died yet and what he was saying was that he wanted to go and be with his father until he died and then so he would then bury him. Others say that you know this guy's dad had already been dead for a year and uh, what the disciple was saying was that he wanted to go and do the second stage of burial which was to take the bones and put them in a little box and something like that. But uh, I think both of these explanations are possible. Like, it's possible that that it's one of them, but the reality is that the text doesn't tell us, does it? There's, uh, we, we get no indication of that. And I think if we try and justify why Jesus says these these harsh words, we miss what's actually going on here. See, Jesus has given orders. He, he's given a command to cross to the other side of the lake, and and look at the irony in the disciples' response uh, in verse 21. He says, "Lord." First let me go and bury my father. So he addresses Jesus as Lord, as Master and then gives Jesus a command. Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And so Jesus responds with a command of his own. You know, follow me. This is not the way that Jesus works, uh, sorry, following Jesus works. You know, Jesus gives us Gives a command and we follow we obey. Jesus is saying to this man that your, your allegiance to me must take priority over every other area of your life including your commitments to family and everything. I was talking to a, a Christian friend of mine uh, recently and he was telling me about a friend of his and, and how thankful he was that she was a, a really committed follower of Jesus. He was telling me that she's She's willing to go anywhere in the world to serve, to serve Christ and um, she only has two little requirements. One, that she has access to a washing machine and two, that she has access to a shower. And I mean, that, those are pretty reasonable requirements, aren't they? I, mean, I think our natural reaction to that would be, you know, wow, that, that's, that's a really committed follower of Jesus. Willing to go anywhere, give up everything and, and all, all she's doing is placing two little conditions these two little conditions. Well, I'm, not, I'm not trying to question whether this woman is a, a true disciple of Jesus. I, I'm not questioning that at all. I totally believe she is. But what I'm trying to do in, in telling this story is highlight the tendency that we all have in, in placing conditions on, on our allegiance to Christ, on, on following Christ. And, and the point of this passage, the point that Jesus is making when he responds to this disciple is that we can't place conditions on following him you know he he's the one that's in control he's the one that calls the shots and we must respond in obedience so we can't we can't follow Christ on our own terms we can only follow Christ on his terms so let's just recap what we've seen so far so in the context we have these two two kinds of followers the disciples and the crowd and then Jesus gives this well, Jesus sees the crowd and it seems he wants to make a distinction between those that are committed to following him and those that are trying to follow him on their own terms. So he gives this command to cross to the other side of the lake. The teacher of the law comes and, and is keen to follow Jesus but Jesus is very careful to, to tell him to count the cost first and, and then there's this disciple who, who it seems wants to follow Jesus on his own terms and Jesus will have none of that. He, he, he says, uh, you know, follow me. Your allegiance to me must take priority over every area of your life. I uh, attended a, a wedding a couple of weeks ago in Sydney and as I was sitting there waiting for the bride to arrive, I was talking with a friend of mine and she was telling me about friends of hers who'd been to a wedding where the bride and the groom had recited the traditional wedding vows. You know, like to, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse you know, the whole thing. But um, they'd left one section out of the vows. They'd left out uh, for richer, for poorer. They'd just taken that little bit out. And, and apparently this was because the groom didn't want their, their marriage commitment to be binding in the face of severe financial difficulty. He said, this guy was, he wasn't willing to say to his bride on that day, um, you know, I'll be faithful to you no matter what happens, no matter how hard life gets, no matter what life throws at us. I'll remain faithful to you. Now, sure, I won't, I won't love you perfectly, but, but I'll remain faithful to you. He, he wasn't willing to make that radical commitment. See, his allegiance to his wife took priority over you know, almost every area of his life, but, but not every area. Well, How do we apply this, this passage to our own lives? Well, if, if we profess to be followers of Jesus, we... We need to ask ourselves: does, does our allegiance to Christ take priority over every single area of our lives? Now, this text is not saying that to follow Christ we all must give up the comfort of a home to stay in each night. It's not saying that at all. But but we may have to, and we must be ready and willing to do so. And in fact, you know, a lot of our brothers and sisters around the world uh, do have to give up their homes when when they choose to follow Christ. Or you know, their homes are taken from them. And worse, you know, they lose their family, they lose their friends, they they lose their place in society and everything when they choose to follow Jesus. But I think the application of this passage for us is that that every decision, every decision that we make needs to be made in light of our allegiance to Christ. And and the question that we have to ask ourselves is, now, are we living the way that we're living because... uh, we want to be faithfully following Christ and, and seeking the lord and uh, and living that way because we believe it 's his, it's his will for us or or are we living the way we 're living because uh, because we want to we, we just want to live that way you know are there are there parts of our life that we 're still holding on to that we haven 't surrendered to Christ you know, our, our every decision has to be made in light of our allegiance to Christ so you know Should I own a house? And if so, what kind of house should I own? Should I own a car? And if so, what kind of car should I own? Should I go away on holidays? And if so, what what kind of holiday should I go away on? Should I study? Should I go to uni? And if so, what what should I I study? What kind of job should I do? Where should I send my kids to school? What what should I do with my spare time, with my weekends? What... um, How should I use the gifts and the skills and and the resources that God has given to me to serve him? Every decision needs to be made in light of our allegiance to Christ and not not simply because we want to live that way. Now, I know that every one of us here this morning is at at a different point in our life. And and I want to say, if if you're here this morning and if you know in your heart that you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, well, Maybe you're thinking, you know, uh, following Jesus sounds really hard and is it is it worth it? Is it all worth it? And I'll say to you that yes, it is worth it. Um, you know, This this Jesus that, that calls people to follow him, that, that called people to follow him in the first century and this Jesus that calls you to follow him today is the son of God and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him and Every person in the world that's ever lived will stand before him on that last day to give account, and Christ will condemn all those that, that haven't followed him, that, that have chosen to live their own way. But, but that's not all, because Christ isn't just the, the all-powerful judge of the world. He's, he's also the savior of the world, the loving savior of the world. You know, Why did Christ come into this world? He came because he's full of mercy and love and grace and compassion. He came to to be flogged and to be beaten and to be scorned and spat upon. He, he came to do all that so that we, we we might be reconciled to God. He came to be rejected by all those that he knew, and and more so. He came, and when he hung on that cross, he. He, he was abandoned by God, his Father. He took upon all God's wrath for us so that, that, so that we might have life through him. Look at, the, look at the lengths that Christ has gone to. Consider all that Christ has done and turn to him and find life and forgiveness and grace in Christ. If you're, if you're sitting here this morning and you, you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, I urge you, turn to Christ and find life in him. But, but what about the many of us here this morning who are following Jesus? You know What, what do Jesus' words to us mean? You know, these, these words are really hard, aren't they? You know, I've wrestled with them as, as I've considered them. And Perhaps you're feeling this great desire to, to follow Christ with everything that you have, but you feel like there's, there's some part of your life that you, you still haven't surrendered to Christ, that you're still holding on to. And maybe you feel powerless to, to, to give that up. You know, maybe it's a, a specific sin in your life or uh, a specific character trait or uh, an addiction. It might be something to do with the way that you spend your time or uh, the way that you spend your money or the way you treat your family or the way you think about that person at church or that, that colleague at work. At, at times in my Christian life, I've tried to surrender parts of my life to Christ in my own strength uh, and, and I can testify that it just doesn't work. You know, I end up just feeling exhausted and, uh, and guilty that I, I haven't followed Christ as I, as I should do. Uh, I, just, I, I just fail and I feel powerless. I feel powerless because I'm looking to myself for strength. Uh, I'm relying on myself for strength to, to surrender those parts of my life to Christ. See, the message of the Gospel is that that Christ died on the cross to, so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be justified and made right with God. But that's not the whole story. You know, Christ died on the cross so that we might be free from sin, free from the guilt and the power of sin, free to live a new life. Christ died on the cross so that we might be given a new heart and a new spirit that, that God might dwell in us by his spirit. And... and through that spirit that God has given us, we have great power. It's great power for us who believe. If there's any area of your life that that you've not surrendered to Christ, look to God for that power. Humbly come before him and and ask him for the strength and and the will and the power and the grace to submit every area of your life to Christ. Brothers and sisters, know, know that we have... We have access to such great power uh, through the Spirit, but but know also that we we have access to such great grace when we fail. We well, we all fail to, to follow Christ with everything that we have, and uh, you know throughout my short Christian life, I've failed many times to follow Christ with all that I have, and and each time I feel like a failure, but uh, but I know that when I humbly come before God and surrender myself to him anew and put my trust in Christ anew and seek him for forgiveness and grace to transform me. I know that there I find grace and power to, to persevere in the Christian life. Now, Earlier I mentioned Simon and Andrew and James and John, these, these four fishermen that, that were by the lake when Jesus called them and they abandoned everything to follow him. But but what did these four guys do when, when the soldiers came to, to take Jesus away and crucify him? They, they all fled. And Simon Peter, one of them, actually denied that he even knew Christ. And not just once, but three times. And, and what, did, what, what happened after Christ was raised to life? When Christ appeared to the disciples, all of whom had fled, he didn't rebuke them. He restored them lovingly. And he, he, he called them to follow him again and gave them the grace to do that. See, ultimately following Christ is a, it's about an attitude of the heart. It's about trusting that, that Christ has already made us perfect by his one sacrifice on the cross. It's about daily, humbly coming before God and, and surrendering our lives to him and relying on his strength to follow Christ. It's about repentance. It's about Humility, confessing our failures to God and confessing our need for him, seeking his forgiveness and his grace to transform us. Allow me to pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we, we praise you and we thank you for your grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you sent him to this world to, to ransom sinners like us, to, to reconcile us, uh, to you, Father, uh, we've been challenged by Your Word this morning, and Lord, we we plead with You that every one of us here would would know You, Father, that that, that every one of us here would put our faith in Christ and, and and be given the ability to 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 obey Him, to follow Him each day. Lord, help those of us that are struggling in our Christian life, Christian lives to. Uh, to trust in, in the grace of Christ and um, yeah, to, to, to persevere, Lord, and help those of us who are resisting and uh, hardening our hearts, Lord, to, to not do that, but to surrender every area of our life to Christ. Father, we thank you for Christ and we pray in his name. Amen.